Thanks for tuning in. I'm Joel Amidon. And I'm Ann Monroe. And this is the Teacher's Journey, Mile Markers on the Road to Better Teaching, a podcast series where we discuss stories of teacher development. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Mississippi School of Education and is an Amidon Planet production. All right, this is it. We, uh, we get a double feature today with an outstanding <laughs> guest, a legend in the <laughs> Oxford School District. We have Patches Calhoun. Current, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is exciting. Um, you know, and I'll tell you this, I've, I've been a big fan for like, it's like a, you know, long time fan, first time caller, some, something like that of, of you and your work. I know the great stuff you've done for our teacher candidates when you were in the classroom as a math teacher and then seeing all your great work as a uh, now educational leader, as a, mm-hmm. both an assistant principal, now principal at Della Davidson Elementary School, an outstanding, out, out, outstanding school. Oh, I don't know. That's, that's some big words. <laughs> and we're just, I was excited to, you know, kind of threw it out there. Hey, you want to come on a podcast? And like, great. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think it was one morning walking Wednesday. I was doing duty and you were like, Hey, you want to do this? That's like, right. Yeah. Yeah, Let's I'm getting all it. these kids safely, to, or we're you know, <laughs> the volunteers are getting these kids safely to school. Hey, how about uh, how about doing a podcast? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so yeah, like I'm, we're just going to jump into it. We're going to try and do something a little bit. Uh, you're actually our first educational leader to to be on the podcast, and we know we want to talk about educational leaders having these moments, these mile markers uh, of development. And mm-hmm. so um, let's let's just get into it. Hey, can you okay. thank? Uh, a teacher or two who have shaped your development as a person? Um, I absolutely can thank a teacher. Um, a te- th- this is a teacher from my time in college that, that had a huge impact on my life, and it was Dr. Angela Barlow. Yeah. Um, she came into my life like a wrecking ball, <laughs> and then I, from that moment, I just, she, she just influenced me to change, change as a teacher, um, changed it completely what I was doing in, in my math classrooms. So she, she really had, so thank you, Dr. Barlow. I know she's going to be listening. That's right. Yeah. We love Dr. Barlow. That's yeah. right. And that's a, like second time we've heard Dr. Barlow on the podcast, but, uh, but you know what I did, uh, I did fast forward a little bit too much. Hey, can you just give a little self-introduction? I'm sorry. I went, I went super fast. Gotcha. So I, normally a self-introduction is not needed for me because <laughs> <laughs> I um, I, my name is Patches Calhoun. I am originally from Calhoun City, so I'm not from Oxford, uh, but I've lived here for the last, I would say, 20 years. Um, I have been in education for, this is my 21st year. I taught in the classroom for 17 years. I taught fourth grade math 15 of those years, and I taught third grade math two of those years, and then I became the assistant principal here in the same building where I was a teacher, did that for three years, and then got the opportunity to move into the role of the the principal in the building, and it has been a journey. Awesome. Just what this podcast is all about, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> up to roller coaster, up and down, up and down. Yes. So what led you, what's, what's an event that led you to become uh, a teacher? Um, you know, I, the, I, I took a different path in life where I went to college for a lot of different things before I decided what I wanted to do. So I was, I really was not one of those people who grew up saying, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a teacher. I don't have any teachers in my, in my 
immediate family. And so actually one day somebody just suggested um, that I should think about going into it. So then it kind of stayed on my mind. Um, uh, I was at Ole Miss doing music and just decided that that was not for me. I was not enjoying that and I wanted to enjoy what I was doing. So I decided to go into the education building, the School of Education, just to visit. And from the moment I walked in, Everybody was so nice. Everybody, I mean, people were so willing to help. And I just started the program and everything from that point fell into place. Um, so I didn't like say, oh, I want to be a teacher. But once I got into it, there was nothing else that I wanted to do. I, I, absolutely nothing else. I knew this is what I'm supposed to be doing for life. So. And I think Patches, and I, I'm, I think I'm right on this timeline, but when I came to the University of Mississippi and was a graduate assistant, I believe you were a senior that year. I think so. I and, do. Because I remember you in the hallways. <clears throat> I did not have you in class, but I remember you in the hallways because uh, patches. I was like, there's a person <laughs> in patches right. in Mississippi. In I was Mississippi. like, I'm from Tennessee. That sounds Tennessee-like. <laughs> but um, so that, and then two, everybody knew who patches was. It was like one of those things like, I can't believe you ever, didn't realize you wanted to be a teacher because you have that, to me, that person, that personality that just says, I am a teacher. But I mean, like I had, did not have you in class, had never had you in class. I was a graduate assistant, but I know who Patches Calhoun was. Right. It's from walking the halls, but you know, I don't know when you graduated, but I'm guessing it was maybe uh, 2002. It was two, I think 2000. 2000. Okay. So I, yeah. I came in 2001. I don't know if you were in grad school so, at that time, but I could have sworn you were a senior. I, you, I was. So maybe I'm wrong. I'm trying to look at my diplomas hanging on the wall right here. <laughs> Did you graduate in a December or a May? <laughs> I, I graduated in a May. Isn't that terrible that I can't see when I graduated? Here, 2001. There you go. Okay. 2001. There you go. That's great. And, um, I love that, you know, if I wanted to enjoy what I was doing, if anyone has seen evidence that like, you know, interact with like, you enjoy what you do. And like, that's, you know, we described, I, I, I describe joy as an unshakable happiness that, or, that emerges from within. And it's like that someone that enjoys what they're doing. That is what I feel daily. And, and I guess that it just took me the weird path to get to teaching. Um, but like, like I said, once I got into it, it, it was just natural. That was what I was supposed to be doing. Everything fell into place. Life just started being, you know, hey, Patches, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be serving kids. So, nice. yeah. Well, and, and again, we're on, we're on the continuous journey, like the journey from teaching to educational leader. But could you, you know, just rewind a little bit and we're going to okay. go back to uh, when your uh, role as a teacher and thinking about, can you place a mile marker? What was a moment that you would identify as like, this was a moment that I grew as a teacher. Uh, yeah. So pro it was in, I think it was in 2010, um, the University of Mississippi through the math and science um, center started doing um, these summer institutes with math teachers. Um, the, the first time that I saw it, it was not called Project Prime. I'm going to talk about what, what mine was, which was Project Prime. It was something else right before that. I can't Project remember. Project Delta, maybe? 
Yes, that was there it. You go. And yeah. so at, at that point, it only went to fifth grade teachers. And so it was not offered to fourth grade teachers. Della at that time was a fifth and fourth grade building. So I got to see some of the fifth grade teachers doing these different things and I became interested in it. And so um, I signed up the next year they offered it, they changed it to project prime and they offered it for grades four through eight. And so going to that summer Institute completely transformed me as a teacher. It changed the way I thought about teaching. It changed everything about what I did inside my classroom. Um, I'm a person that needs to experience something in order to know how it really works. And through the Institute, we, the teachers were the students. And so we went into class every day. We did the problems that we were supposed to take back to our classrooms and do. And so I got to feel it. I got to, to understand the process. And so I, I just began at that point changing what I was doing in my classroom and was not even the same teacher. So what, would you even drill down even further? Is there something that you would use to like represent that moment of growth uh, from Project Prime? Um, yeah, probably the the different tasks that we were given. Um, working on those tasks myself. I know um, there's this one problem that we did, the locker problem. Uh, I recall us spending lots of time having discussion, talking about it, and it just challenged what you were thinking. And so, I don't know, just all of the different tasks that required me to think. is I knew that that is what I was supposed to get my kids to do. Awesome. There, was, there was, should be struggle. I should be, you know, having to think outside the box, um, understanding that there's different ways to get the same answer. Um, so, I don't know necessarily a, a specific, but those problems that we did, um, I would say those changed me. Well, it's great. And we, we talked about this before we hit record, but I mean, that locker problem is funny because like I'm going to your school tomorrow in an attempt to try to teach that problem uh, with with uh, students in Ms. Humphrey's class. And so like that's that's kind of crazy. But like thinking about a kind of task like that, it's a hands on mm -hmm. task in order to understand like factors and multiples and they get to talk about prime numbers like but it these things arise organically from the student work. It's it's mm -hmm. and we, we'll post a link to that uh, problem uh, in the, uh, in the show notes too. We have show notes patches. So oh, like, good. Yeah, 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 good. fancy. So yeah. why was this, uh, sorry, Ann, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, good luck with that. Dr. Amidon. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm going to go, I think I'm going to sit in there so I can do the problem with them. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> right. Uh, and so we're, um, so why was that, why was that important to you in your development as a teacher? Um, I guess, before that, I was teaching processes, uh, just steps to math problems. Um, we were not having discussion about math in, in my classroom. Um, I was in charge and I led uh, and the kids just followed. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that during Project Prime, that is when I started realizing that they are the ones that should be immersed in the math, not myself. They should be um, discovering things and investigating and noticing observation, making observations about things. And um, pretty much me just kind of stepping back and facilitating and not being in charge. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest, that was scary at first. It was real scary to step back and let there be a little bit of chaos, you know, controlled chaos, and then bring everybody back together 
and discuss what we learned. Um, so I, I just think that it, it really made me see that kids needed to understand what they were doing. And the only way they could understand what they were doing is if they were doing it. Awesome. And what's cool is that the, what you exactly what you're describing, the Mississippi Department of Education created a video that, uh, I, that one of my students went and found, and we're going to link in the show notes as well. So people can actually see what this looks like. What, what does that actually look like in a class? Because, I mean, and I remember from my perspective, that was kind of my perspective as a teacher, mm-hmm. um, like what I got as a student. And then I was forced to, you know, from early on in my, my teaching career, like do things with groups and stuff like, what, what am I supposed to do? Like, what, right. you know, like I'm not at the board. What? And like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And did that help to me, you know, changing myself helped me change others. So there was, there was like a ripple effect of my experience, uh, you know, for the other teachers that worked in Della, because um, I would come back and share what I learned. I would challenge them with what they were doing in their classrooms. Um, I got a lot of people to join Project Prime the next year. So we had almost every one of our fourth fourth grade teachers that next year had joined Project Prime to go through it. It was a four-year program, uh, but it only, I think they only did it for three years. I I only did it for three years. Um, So anyway, I, I, me changing also helped me change other people, which in return impacted a lot more kids than just my classroom. And one thing interesting too, Patch, is with you um, and just your personality as well, but I think, I wonder how much um, the fact that you had been teaching for a little while made an impact on how that project primarily impacted you. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and where it was in your, in your career how far you had, you know, that you had some experience and what that meant to you in terms of right. uh, your own professional development and where you were, and then also the outreach you had with other teachers. Yeah. So I was, about, I guess, probably like my ninth or 10th year of teaching. Um, and I don't know, kids change, things change. Um, I, I just, I just wanted to grow personally. Um, I don't remember anything Well, let me say this. It was seeing other people do things too. So other people seeing me do something helped them change. But I also, I was seeing what the fifth grade teachers were doing in their classroom. And I just was intrigued and interested in like, what can I do to do better? What can I do to be better for kids? Um, And I, I don't know. I've just always been a person that wanted to be better every single day at whatever I'm doing. I'm never satisfied. That's that's a terrible thing and a good thing. Yeah, and pun intended, but it was almost like because you had experience, you were primed for Project <laughs> Prime, meaning like you were talking about, you know, having the kids take control. I mean, you have to really know how to manage a classroom to have that work effectively, right? So I, I right. just think that maybe that your experience was like this wonderful foundation mm-hmm. to take that learning from Project Prime and just have it be, take off like a rocket because you right, had all those kind of basics in place. Right. That, yeah, yeah that, that's true. I had had my 10 years of I knew the things that I wanted, how things to run in my classroom. So I wasn't dealing with classroom management. I wasn't doing dealing with procedures and processes that was there. But I will say your classroom changes when you start letting kids be um be in charge a little bit of their learning. And so you, you do have to uh, figure out how to manage that. Cause I knew how to manage a classroom where everybody's sitting there and listening to me. So I had to figure out how to run a classroom where everybody was not sitting there listening to me. 
Um, yeah, like but I do space. think that's, yeah, I do think those 10, nine to 10 years of experience did help me do that um, and focus on the change as a teacher, like the math, the focus of the teaching of the math. That's yeah, that, and that gets right into our next question, like why is this important to the field? Um, and so that's the, the standards that it connects to. And it, it seems like these are screaming two standards, um, the, the two content standards from the NTAS standards. It's the content knowledge and application content. I don't know. Did you have any other ones, Patches, that you were looking I, at? I was looking at no, number nine to just the teacher. Oh, yeah. You know, you have you have to want to grow yourself. Mm hmm. You know, you, you, you can't wait on somebody else to grow you. You have to want to grow yourself and, and you have to find times and places where you can do that. Even if it's just going next door to see the, the teacher next door, you have to want to be better. Yeah. And these are the in-task core teaching standards that we're taught, that we're pointing mm -hmm. to standard yeah. four and five with the content and then standard nine with the professional responsibility. And I think that's really like what you said, Patches, about you have to want to do it you know, it's part of teaching. It's part of good teaching is like you said, you just have always been the type of person that wants to do better, but that's also part of being a good teacher. Right. Is it's continuously imp and continuous improvement, learning things that are new that, you know, while, while, uh, you know, humanity is humanity <laughs> and we deal with humanity as teachers, there are developments in teaching and new things that we try and new things that we do. And, um, you know, the art and science of teaching progresses and mm -hmm. uh, keeping up with that is really, really important and part of our professional responsibility. Right. I tell the, as a leader right now of the building, I tell my teachers, um, if you're doing what you did five years ago in the classroom, you're behind, you're mm -hmm. really behind. Yeah. If you're, if you're still doing even what you did last year, you're behind. You have to continue to grow and learn and figure out ways to be better. So don't be behind, get ahead. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Right. Well, that, and that's a good transition. I mean, I, I love that, you know, your own art, mile marker of development as a teacher, I mean, it points to these professional development opportunities. And now you as a educational leader, like have recognition of it. And I think one thing that Dr. Monroe and I are recognizing that a lot of our, a lot of our people on this podcast have pointed out these summer professional development opportunities as meaningful in their like we had they identified one artifact badge and they, they identify these like summer institutes we're like these are pretty important things mm -hmm. so um but let's think about it from an educational leader standpoint again this is our first opportunity to talk to uh someone from on this podcast but from an educational leader perspective so what would be something a mile marker you would place uh in your, in your journey as an educational leader, where's, what's a moment that you would describe that's a mile marker of your growth as an educational leader? Um, the, the reason I wanted to become an assistant principal was because of uh, being able to advocate for kids that didn't have somebody to advocate for them. Um, trying to understand those kids that struggled in the classroom. So I would just say um, probably an experience with, with a kid um, helped me to see that what I was doing was the right thing. Like I, you're in the right place patches because this is what you're here for. Um, the student had got it. You want me to talk about that? Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. Um, so one day we had a, we had a substitute here at Della and um, a student who normally gets in trouble um, was getting fussed at by that teacher because some, another student that doesn't get in trouble uh, went and told on that student for, for marking on um, her paper or whatnot. And so 
the student that normally gets in trouble tried to tell the sub that that person did it first. It wasn't me. But since that kid was a kid who normally gets in trouble, what, what are they going to do? They're going to blame that, that kid. That kid's in trouble. The kid ran out of the classroom and ran straight to my office to tell me this is what happened. And at that moment, I said, kids just want to be listened to. Even if it was that that student did something wrong, really and truly, he just wanted somebody to listen to his side of the story. And so at that point, Miss Harrington used to laugh at me because I would spend so much time on talking to students about discipline. It could be the smallest thing that they did, and we may talk about it for 20 minutes, but it was that I wanted to to listen to their side. I wanted to discuss it. I wanted to help them figure out a different way uh, to to do that next time. And so at that moment, I was just like, I got to listen. I got to listen to kids. You know, I've got to advocate for the kids who are the kids who get in trouble a lot, but they're not the ones who always do something. And so what can I do to make that different? So I felt that I could use my role as a leader in the building to help start changing how teachers viewed kids and how they responded to kids when there was disruption in the classroom or a kid did something wrong. So that that was probably my biggest focus as an assistant principal. I, so I guess that was a moment when I said, you're doing the right thing and, and let's continue this. Um, I don't know. Does that, is, am I answering yeah. the question? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, you know, and we're brainstorming because like this, again, you're our first time we're talking about education, like what could represent, like what would be an artifact to represent that moment? And we talked about possibly like a picture of, uh, of, yeah. of kids, like a, you know, a picture of, you know, like a class picture or something like that, or a, a, yes. a, yeah, that's brought, but just to focus in on like that and think you mentioned like the, the student, student centered, hearing students out, like knowing that they're being heard. I mean, the fact that that kid I mean, how many kids are running to the principal's office? I mean, right. literally, you know, like that's. <laughs> well, he I knew to... I would. He knew that he could come tell me something, and he just wanted somebody to listen because he didn't do it, you know. So yeah, he ran. He did get in trouble for leaving the classroom and running, you know, out of the classroom. But he just wanted her to um to listen. Yeah, exactly. So it would be. I would put if I had to put something in, in a portfolio that represented that. It would most definitely be a picture of kids. Nice. Nice. And so again, and thinking about your, you know, you kind of answered this a little bit, but let's just, you know, go right at it. Why was this important to your development? Uh, as your, uh, your yeah, I can, I can talk. Why can, was this mile marker important to your growth as an educational leader? Um, because I had to, okay. So I had to find my happy place as an assistant principal Mm. in the classroom. You have lots of little happy moments. Like this kid gets it. That kid gets it. A a parent tells you that you're doing a good job. They appreciate, you know, so you have all of these little happy moments in the classroom all the time that keep you going. And I found out in the AP position, you don't have those happy moments that I had as the, as the teacher, you know, you don't have somebody telling you all the time, good job or whatever. You're putting the fires out and dealing with the bad things a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I had to find my happy place and my happy moments and my just sparks for the day. And that was, that was where I decided those are my, those are my happy moments. 
I, wow. I can I, I was able to listen to a kid helping change what happened on a daily basis I just listening to kids um, and helping teachers view what's happening in their classrooms differently you know no kids saying I want to come to school and be bad right that, yeah. you know they're not waking up and saying hey I'm just going to go to school and be bad today so uh, I don't know I, I would think that that was important for me to find my happy moments. Cause I, I think that if I wouldn't have found my happy moments, I'm not sure I would have stayed in a leadership role. I, I might've decided to go back to a classroom. That's, I mean, and you know, I have some friends who are, have been in the AP role or are still in the AP role. And like, I, I'm actually going to share that advice of it, like the finding the happy moments. Cause yeah, that exactly what you described is like a lot of uh, the assistant principal roles is going to take that. That's all right. I'm glad we're doing this podcast. That's, that's great. Hey. That's great stuff right there. <laughs> so, stuff. so being important to the field. So this is where we're aligning this with standards. And so what, what standards are we using for this, Anne? Like, you, you know, the acronyms here. So right, we've got the NELP standards, the National Educational Leadership Preparation Standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, um, and we've got the PSEL standards, the Professional Standards for Educational Leaders. So, you know, take your pick, Patches. What do you think? Um, I would say something that has to do with, uh, relationships and yeah, there, there's a, there's a NELP standard. And I don't know if this is helpful, but there's a NELP standard three equity, inclusiveness, and culturally res- cultural responsiveness. It's yeah. the current and future success and well-being of each student mm-hmm. and adult by applying the knowledge, skills, and commitments necessary to develop and maintain a su- supportive, equitable, and culturally responsive and inclusive school culture. Mm-hmm. And that I sounds def- like something that's really important to you and what you you know, at the heart of your happiness, right? It is. It's that is making sure that, that there's environment for everybody at school. Exactly. That's a supportive place. Yes. When, yes. And also, I was looking at standard two uh, to promote uh-huh. the current and future. It's ethics and professional norms to promote the current and future success and well-being of each student. Uh, and just you know, like the and it says it by applying the knowledge and skills and commitments necessary to understand and demonstrate the capacity to advocate for ethical decisions and cultivate and enact professional norms. I don't know if that's exactly right, but like thinking about the advocating and and the um, you know putting these skills to to think about the well being of our students. Like, hey, you know, I'm just not here to enact punishment. I'm here to hey, d- communicate to this kid. They're being they're being heard, and we care about them. And it's more than it's more than just uh uh you know just provide yeah providing a punishment <laughs> like that's yeah not, you that's well you want to you have to you have to realize we when kids and i've read this before so i'm stealing it from somebody um <laughs> so when kids can't read we teach them how to read when kids can't do math we teach them how to do math but when kids can't behave we want to punish them right. you know and, and so we can't it, that can't be it we we have to also spend the time on that problem to teach them what would have been a better response or how could i've handled this in a better way so you have to teach yeah. behavior. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things that I talk to my pre-service teachers about is that one of my big pet peeves is teachers who complain about student behavior. Mm-hmm. And I say, that's like going to a doctor's office and the doctor complaining about having to see ill patients. Mm-hmm. Like if I have to see one more sick person again, like that would be outrageous for a doctor. Oh, that's their job. And right. so a teacher, part of your job is to teach behavior and to to teach students how to control their own behavior, not for mm-hmm. me to control your behavior. So right. punishment is me controlling you mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. some sort of external, you know, motivator, whatever it is. I right. want to teach you 
mm-hmm. to control your own behavior, to teach right. you to be your own, you know, um, motivator, have some internal um, motivation to seek out better for yourself. Right. And, you and know, I, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I, and through being an AP, I, that's what I wanted to model for teachers. You know, I would spend time talking with the kid in front of the teacher, not just taking the kid, because I wanted to model, this is how you respond. This is how you should talk about it. it, it even the smallest thing, you've, you've, got, you've got to address it and help them think about it in a different way. So, um, yes. Yeah, and I yes. think this is something that Joel and I have had conversation before on the podcast and, or, and even on his, his other podcast station, which <laughs> we can plug here. Uh, but we've talked to him. He's, he's, a, he's like a triple dipper with the podcast, Man. actually. Um, but um, <laughs> one of the things that we've talked about, and I think this kind of encompasses both of your artifacts that you talked about, the one as a teacher, mm-hmm. about get the kids working the problems themselves and giving ownership to the problem solving to the kids, and also your leadership example about listening to the kids and, and, and talking about having them control their own behaviors. It's this idea that as, as adults, as kids, caregivers as teachers our job is not to control and put take power over our students right. our job is to to make sure that our kids feel empowered mm-hmm. to 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 lead them toward uh taking control of their behavior control mm-hmm. of their learning to show them how to do that to teach them to be the guide we want them to have the power we want them to have the choice we want them to have the control we want them to do this and so I think a lot of times in teaching, and, and I know that this is, I'm hearing this in everything that you're saying, Patrick, and I know from personal experience with you, that you have the same philosophical belief that, that we're not to use our power over children. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. That we are to teach children to, to we're, we're to empower the children that are within our care. And mm-hmm. it's just such an important part of teaching. I think a lot of times we have it backwards in schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to, you know, to use power over children when that is not what our job is. Right. Absolutely not. Relationships over academics, 100% all the time. Relationships. And when you have relationships with kids, that's your way into the academics. At that, and at that point, that's where you help them have the power for themselves. And you don't feel like that you have to have power over them because of that relationship. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. Well, kids will kids will do things for you that they won't do for themselves just because of that relationship they have with you. Especially my age kids, third and fourth graders, you know, they're gonna do something, they're gonna do something for me more than they want to do it for themselves. We um just recently, we just recently had 100 percent of our students at Della Davidson meet their AR goal. There are kids amazing. That had never, from fourth grade, never in third grade the whole year had met their AR goal ever. There were teachers that never had a 100% of their kids in their class meet their AR goal. And it just, you know, I don't know, just made everybody feel good. And now we're, we already have, we're halfway through and we already have classes that have met 100% of their, their AR goal. You know, awesome. kids, and it's kids were taking on that now. They felt a little success. They saw that we were proud of them. The teachers were proud. I mean, the school celebrated so much. So they, if they don't want to do it for themselves, they at least are wanting to do it for us so they can come tell us so we can do a 30-second dance party, you know? <laughs> I I've love those. those dance parties. Those are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Amadon, we could start those here. That's right. 30-second 30 30 second dance party. 
Hey, oh, that's I can our send new you initiative. Up. That's our new initiative. I have a button and you press it and for 30 seconds it plays music and then it c- cuts off. So 30 second dance parties can change a meeting. Oh, <laughs> it's going to change. It's going to change Guyton Hall. So it's going to change. <laughs> I think uh, Dr. Monroe is going to be on Etsy looking for that button. Immediately. Uh, <laughs> I might have Oh, oh, you may have one. Okay. Well, I may, I may have to hit you up for that. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be at the Della Davidson overhang on the drive through the portico shortly. 30 second dance party. Um, so we'll go briefly through, and again, we, we value uh, your time and, uh, and we've already maybe gotten a little bit of it, but do you have a, like a pocket size philosophy statement that guides what you do? Um, I would just say that, um, I believe relationships come first. I believe that our job as teachers is to foster the love of learning. I believe that teachers have to meet kids where they are, especially today coming out of COVID and kids being on so many different levels. It's our responsibility to meet those kids where they are, um, to immerse kids into the learning in the classroom and make them in charge of their learning, take on the responsibility of their learning, that shared responsibility. Um, but I would say most definitely for me, relationships are number one, most important. I think we can see how these have influ- like the influence of these or the influence of your mile markers on that, that statement. It's like the philosophy of patches. That sounds like it should be a book or something like that. Like <laughs> Relationships. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. <laughs> well, we want to thank thank you again for your time. Thank you for being willing to do a, a, a double header in the middle of a, a day. We appreciate that. Um, and, but also we want to say thank you for all of you listeners out there for tuning into the teacher's journey, mile markers on the road to better teaching. This uh, episode may be over, but the journey to better teaching continues. So please subscribe to the podcast. So you're notified when the next episode is ready for you to listen to. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast. You can also share the podcast with someone you feel may be interested in these stories of teacher development. And are you ready to start your journey to better teaching? Send an email to Nick Sisk, Nick F at olmist.edu, the School of Education Admissions Counselor, to hear about all the options for becoming a teacher or educational leader. And perhaps you are well into your journey and looking for to further advance as a practitioner or researcher in your field. For more information on all of our graduate programs, contact the University of Mississippi School of Education's Graduate Studies Office by sending an email to graduation at olmist.edu. Also, follow the University of Mississippi School of Education on social media at Ole Miss Ed School on Twitter and Instagram so you can learn more about opportunities like free graduate application weekends. Information can be found in the show notes for this episode at roadtobetterteaching.com. And finally, thank you to Patches Calhoun for sharing her portion of her journey as both a teacher and school leader. Thank you so much for having me. I have enjoyed my time with you guys. Yeah, and and thank you to all you listeners out there for taking the journey to better teaching. This world is a better place because you have used the gifts you've been given to teach others. 